Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. I'm your host, Marcus Engel. This is the podcast where I teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. As often happens in the studio with me, we're not even in the studio today, are we? But no, we're in our house. In our house, living room, which is also in our studio. Uh, our studio is also in the it house, is. but it is. it's not like it's out, you know, in the pool or something. But <laughs> we have a separate offsite studio. So with me today is the hotness. Hi. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. And actually. I'm super excited about this episode because there's a bunch of questions that we keep getting and actually we always get and that I had for a long time um, that we're going to talk about. And uh, I get to do this kind of little interview and I love when I get to do that. You want to interview me? I'm going to interview you, baby. Just call me Barbara Walters like 20 years ago, though. I mean, you know, not 90 years old. 20? 40. No, no. I mean, okay. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm, I'm 32, actually. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we know that you retired um, Elliot recently. Yeah. About and, two and a half months ago now. Correct. And you're in the process. You were going to get another CNI dog. Huh? And people are always fascinated. I was the first time I went through this with you. Um, the first dog you had, Carson, that I met. Mm-hmm. that retired, um, of how that would work. How do you get another dog? And, um, so we're going to, I want to talk about that today and, um, just the, what the process is. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is where do you get your dogs from and how many have you had? Okay. So, so I, all of my dogs have been trained at the scene. I in Morristown, New Jersey, it is the original dog guide school in the U S um, since 1929, when soldiers came back from the battlefields of World War I, blinded by, uh, by battlefield injury, that was when, um, that's when the CNI started to take shape. And so for nearly a hundred years, they have been, uh, they have been raising, breeding, raising, and training seeing eye dogs for people who are blind or visually, uh, visually disabled. And this will be dog number cinco for me, dog number five. I, I <clears throat> one of the things I always found fascinating is I've known four of them mm-hmm. and, um, the different personalities mm-hmm. they have so incredibly different. There's actually a chapter in one of your books about, uh, the, just the different personalities mm-hmm. and they all get their own nicknames. So I'm excited to, uh, be bringing a new home update on Elliot real quick. Uh, Elliot's doing good. We get pictures about once a week from his adoptive family. He, uh, lives with two other dogs and one cat and he, adapted so quickly and perfectly to adopted life, to retirement life. So he's living the good life now. I know his adoptive family just absolutely loves him. And I know he's in a great, great place. Which, you know. Makes my heart rest a lot easier at night. It does because it's really hard to let go of one. So knowing he's great. Okay. What do you do next to get another dog? So, so, so this is kind of interesting. People ask like, 
well, how does this work? Right. And it's, well, I guess first you have to make a decision to whether if you're someone who is blind or has a visual impairment, you have to make a decision whether or not you want to get around using a white cane or you want to get around using a dog, or maybe there's some kind of mix of technology and one of those two. Um, I always knew that I wanted a dog because I knew that traveling from point A to point B would be faster. And so once I decided that I want a dog or any time that I get a subsequent dog now or a successor dog, um, first comes application, right? You're filling out an application for the CNI. Um, after that comes, uh, several different things. It's letters of recommendation, referral letters to make sure that, uh, you are a person of upstanding good character who can take care of the dog, medical forms to go through and have your doctor fill out, uh, including what was it? TB tests and blood tests That's and such right. like that, because during the training process, which takes mm, three weeks to a month. Uh, you are living in a dormitory type setting. So especially throughout COVID with communicable diseases, you've got to make sure everybody is healthy and such like that. So let's say you, you filled out an application, you've passed all your physicals and paperwork, you've been accepted to come up and, and receive a dog. Uh, a person will then go, now keep in mind, there's about 10 or 12 different schools around the U.S., where one can get a dog that will do the same job as Elliot and Garrett and Carson and Dasher have all done. However, the school in New Jersey that I've gone to for all of my dogs for now over 25 years, they take a, a very respectful approach to each of their students. So when I leave that school, they've done enough background checks and interviews, et cetera, et cetera, that they know that I'm going to be a capable dog handler. And when I walk off of the premises, I own my dog 100%. That's a little different than other schools around the country. Well, then whenever you get to the school for th three or four weeks of working and training, that, well, what happens then, right? People say, well, do you just get to go into a room with like 30 dogs and get to pick out the one you want? No. But that <laughs> sounds fun. It does sound <laughs> kind of fun. That sounds like a, a little bit of happy bedlam. Well, it sounds like The Bachelor. <laughs> you're, well, well, that might be true too, yeah. But uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it is a, a fun process, but that's not how it works. Um, typically, they're doing evaluations for the first several days that I'll be on site, they'll be doing evaluations for my my walking speed, how tall I am, um, what my lifestyle is like. And then they're making observational decisions. Uh, they're making decisions on what dog to place me with based on their observations. So it'll be two or three days into training when it will be dun, 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 dog day. And dog day is the day that you actually receive your dog and you, oh my gosh, it is, I've done this four times and every time it's different and it's sacred and it's beautiful. And I don't think I've done it without being able to hold back my tears. Um, but when that dog first comes into your life and you just start thinking, 
I'm going to have years with this dog. This, you know, I, it's like me and you, you and me, buddy, teamwork. And um, so after dog, after dog day, you go off for a while to do some initial bonding with the dog. Uh, you do some very easy things on the first day of having your dog, like walking around a, a path with a trainer to make sure that, you know, that it's, it's a big day for the person. It's a big day for the dogs, too. And they're very nervous. Um, they're out of their elements, too. So that first day or two of, of bonding and initial training, it's it's. It's an experience. Let's say that it's an experience. It's tough, but it is amazing. It's tough, but it's amazing. You made me tear up a little bit. I always get so excited for that first call when you get a chance to call and tell me the breed, how, what color, if it's mm -hmm. a girl or a boy. It's always like, it's almost like being in a waiting room with someone that's having a baby. Yeah. What is it? You know, so. I remember when I got Elliot. Um, I went back to the room and, and, uh, you know, spent some time laying around on the floor with him, rubbing him and, you know, just, just bonding, getting to know each other. And I think later that afternoon I was, I, we were all given permission to call our families and tell them what we got and such. And so, uh, and I FaceTimed you and, you know, you got your first look at Elliot and he was in his harness when whenever you got your first view of him and you just oh, he's in his harness and he's so cute and um and that was the first time he uh he got to hear your voice and then you were there to meet me coming off of the plane uh coming home with the new dog it's a it is a bundle of joy after those three or four weeks of training and then you come home and the real training begins that's when you really got to break in the dog it is. It's so. I'm going to go back in time just mm -hmm. for a moment. Who train? How do you train the dog? How old are they? How does a dog get trained and chosen to be a CNI dog? Okay, so for the last hundred years, the CNI, like I said, have been breeding, raising, and training these dogs. So uh, the breeds are typically one of three or some cross version of. Labradors, Golden Retrievers, or German Shepherds. Uh, every once in a great while, there might be a Boxer thrown in the mix, but typically those are the those are the three breeds of dog that CNI uses. And um, what was the other question? Well, how who where do they get the dogs from? Well, so they have their own breeding farm there. So uh, it, it, genetically, these dogs are about as healthy as can be. This is a um, they've got some of the best stock in the world for Labradors and German Shepherds and Golden Retrievers. So they're constantly scientifically, genetically trying to uh, breed these dogs at their own farm to make sure that these dogs don't end up getting a lot of those diseases that dogs get later in life, like hip dysplasia or, um, you know, some dogs have the tendency to start losing their vision and their later years. So they get all of that bred out of their system, uh, out of their breeding system. So that whenever I get a dog, that dog is, uh, extremely healthy and should have a, a longer lifespan and maybe a longer working time than an average dog. Okay. So they're born at the CNI. Mm -hmm. 
And then their very first training begins almost immediately. Almost immediately. With a very special group of people who I love and admire more mm-hmm. than I can say. So after the dogs are born and after they are weaned from their mother, they go and live with a puppy raiser for about the next year and a half. And that time, the puppy raiser is taking the dogs with him pretty much everywhere they go. Uh, maybe that's into Manhattan if you work in New York City. Maybe that's to a college campus. Maybe that's to whatever the people, like Dasher was raised by a retired couple on a farm in Pennsylvania. And they took him to like high school basketball games and high school football games and to like a farm implement show at a, a uh, church and festivals and things like that. So the dog is constantly getting socialized so they know how to be around people and act proper in, uh, in public. That lasts 18 months. And that's also done under the, the close observation of the CNI. They're checking to make sure these dogs are passing all the, you know, they're hitting all their marks to make sure that they're going to be, uh, ready to be placed with a, a uh, student like me. And they do the potty training and mm. the baby teeth cutting and, mm-hmm. and helping them learn well ma- to be well-mannered at home. And they're doing all of the hard work of mm-hmm. a doggy. Of raising dog, a puppy. puppy <laughs> yeah. baby. And then they go back to the school and they turn the dog back over. Right. So puppy raisers who have the dogs for 18 months or so, um, they then give the dog back to the school where the dog will go through another four or five months of training how to be a CNI dog. And that's where they're learning left and right and to stop at stairs and to go around obstacles, all of those kind of things. Um, but boy, when you talk about puppy raisers, people that get these cute little doggies whenever they're, you know, just weeks old and they get to raise them. They get to put a little, a little vest on them and take them everywhere they go. And then 18 months after being with that dog, you say, bye. You say you got to take that dog back to the school. And even though you know that that dog will be helping someone who is blind, it still has to be really, really, really difficult to give that puppy up. And I know there's so many people who have raised dogs for the CNI and they've raised sometimes dozens of dogs for the CNI uh, as puppy raisers. And I just cannot tell you how grateful I am uh, for people who will do all of that work and all of that dedication uh, to make sure that someone like me has a dog that is capable and prepared to go out and do this work in the real world. It's puppy raisers have my heart. 